Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, and Merry Christmas to all from the Amateur Otaku Podcast. How is everybody doing out there? I am Brandon Alvarado, the Scarlet fan here, and I am happy to be here to talk anime with you guys. But as you guys know, I am not by any means alone in this live stream. As always, I am accompanied by the one, the only, the guilty, as charged, Isaac Wolf. What is up, man? It's good. Well, I'm sitting here preparing to talk Guilty Crown with you. Yeah, I'm really excited. This is this was another recommendation by you, Isaac. Which I mean, a lot of the anime, I think 75% of the anime that we cover here are recommendations by you. 15% are recommendations for the, yeah. 15%. I would use those support dates from uh, 90 to 92. Okay, first of all, I do something here, okay? <laughs> it's not like you do everything. I do something. I've recommended yeah. two. Not. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm, Isaac, I know what I've done, and it's not as much as you. So let's move along. <laughs> but yes, hey, guys, how you doing? Welcome to the Amateur Talk Podcast. Um, as Isaac said, he's excited that we're going to talk. This week's episode is on Guilty Crown. Um, if you guys like what we do here at the Amateur Talk Podcast and the conversations that we have about anime, feel free um, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit on the bell for notifications so you don't miss any live stream. You don't miss any of the episodes. <laughs> subscribe to our podcast. Follow it. We're, we're, our podcast is available on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on everywhere where your podcast is available. That's where we talk anime. So, And what we like to do is give our thoughts on the shows that we watch and do it in a semi, if possible, non-spoiler fashion. Um, so that way we can motivate you to go check it out for yourself. So we want to be the people that you come to to find out if this anime is worth checking out. Because there's so, so many anime out there that a lot of people that watch anime all the time don't know where to pick. Or they rewatch the same things that they love. And people that don't really wander into the world of anime as much as others don't know where to start or where to begin. So we try and cover a good variety of different types of anime so that you can listen to us, have a good idea, get a good idea, a good grasp of what the show is about. And then choose for yourself. And um, Isaac, I think we picked a very good episode, a pretty good show for this week. Um, and I'm really excited that we're finally able to cover it on the live stream. Um, I also want to do a quick announcement. Um, you guys know that last week um, we started doing a new series on Attack on Titan. Because as you guys know, the final season it's is ongoing right now. Um, so what we're going to be doing is because we want to be able to have as much as possible to digest and to discuss in every episode that we do, especially since a lot of times because of my work schedule, it's kind of hectic to find time to record. Um, we're actually going to do it bi-weekly. So we're not going to do it every every Monday. Um, as soon as an episode comes out, we're going to do it every other Monday. So that way, every time we do a live stream review of Attack on Titan, we're talking about two episodes per recording so that way we you have a good grasp we have a good grasp of the connectivity of the story um and and see how it links to everything you know and uh i don't know i think it's a good idea where we can talk more because the last episode that we did which will come up on our website very very soon it'll come up on our youtube channel very soon um i know that right now all the all you have is like the stream version the official video will come up very soon um sometime this week um, it was a very good conversation. We talked Attack of Titan for almost an hour, and and we want it, and we want to be able to dive in into each of these episodes and to all the details that are observing. And Isaac, I am going to say this last episode on Reiner was pretty fantastic. Um, so I can't wait to cover that when we cover it next week, especially because of the preview that we got of what's coming and the last scene of that episode. But this episode is not about Tag and Titan, but stay tuned. So every Monday at noon, um, Isaac and I will be talking Tag and Titan. So make sure you subscribe to our channel so you do not miss our next 
Attack on Titan live stream. Um, but now let's get to it. Let's go right into this. Let's talk about this show. This show is Guilty Crown. Um, Isaac, before I run a, I read a summary like I normally do. Um, what? When did? How did you find out about this show? Did someone recommend it to you? Did you watch it one day on a whim? Um, how? What's your connection to it? Well, like ma uh, many others, I just found it uh, randomly. Okay. Honestly. And, and I and I binge watch it. Okay. So you. So how long did it take you? Like. A week? Did you binge watch it like right away, like super quick, or entire day? Wow, that was a long day. I binge watched it. I mean, it is a short show. I mean, um, one of the advantages of Guilty Crown is that it's only twenty-two episodes. So if you do the math, they're twenty-four minute episodes. You can practically watch the entire series in nine hours. Um, I actually watched the whole series in two days, preparing for this. Um, for the preparing for the pod, and uh, it was a good experience. I mean, the good thing is that it's a good, it's a good, nice, smooth watch. It's not one of those episodes. It's not one of those shows like, you know, like ID Invaded, where you can binge it, but each episode is like very heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. That that show is heavy. Like it's only like twelve episodes. It's only like I think it's ten or nine episodes, but each of those episodes feels heavy. Like there's a lot of information. Especially, well, it's more of a crime procedural too, so it's to be expected. Um, this one is not of that nature. This is more like a action kind of slash shonen, but it's not really shonen. Um, but it's uh, it's more of a, like an action sci-fi show, and um, but it's more on the light side, so because it's a lot easier to follow. Um, do you like this show, Isaac? Like, did you like it yeah. enough? Okay. Um, what rating would you give it? How much of this? I know it's good would, enough uh, or interesting enough that you recommended it for the show, which is why we're covering it. B. Okay. And it's funny because a lot of times, most of the times when you recommend something um, is because it's fantastic. Um, and I think this is one of those shows that I'm kind of mixed on, which is rare. You've given me a mixed show, Isaac, um, at least for me. But we're going to dive into the conversation, and you guys will find out why I feel how I feel very soon. So, Isaac, I'm going to go ahead and read a quick summary of what this show is about, and we'll start our discussion. You ready? Yo. Awesome. Let's do it, guys. Okay. Set in a future where Japan is quasi-governed by surrounding nations due to the outbreak of the apocalypse virus, Guilty Crown tells the tale of an unassuming teenager named Shu Oma. As he encounters a wounded pop icon in his AV lab, his life unravels as he is thrown into the front lines of a civil war for the survival of his country and those that he cares for the most. Infected by the void genome in an accident, Shu is granted the king's power, which allows him to draw out people's hearts in material form known as voids to aid him in his quest for growth, life, and redemption. This is Guilty Crown, directed by Tetsuro Akari and produced by Production IG. So before we dive into the show, we always like to talk a little, about, a little bit about the forces or the people that worked on this. And I found out a lot of very interesting things about the people that worked on this show. And the first thing that, that was amazing, I think the easiest one is the studio that produced it. Um, you, is this little studio, I don't know if you've heard of it, Isaac, it's called Production IG. You know, this rarely, this rarely known studio, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Yeah, they barely do an anime. Yeah, they don't do anything at all. I'm looking at their Wikipedia page, and it's more than a page, two pages long. And but yes, Production IG is one of the most popular um, anime companies out there. Um, they worked on 
they worked on Neon Genesis Evangelion with Gynax. They worked on, I think they worked on, they worked on Fully Cooley. They worked on so many different shows. They've worked on Psychopaths, which is a show, Isaac, that we have to cover sometime. Um, they've worked on Ace of Diamond, which is a sports anime. Hayaku, which is one of the most popular sports volleyball animes out there. The Ghost in the Shell Arise series. The Legend of Galactus Heroes. Fully Cooley Progressive. Fully Cooley Alternative. I mean, and now there's one of the more popular animes out there. You probably have heard of it. Um, and these two are very interesting. Noblesse? Noblesse? I think it's like one of the more popular animes that are going on right now. And Moriarty the Patriot. Um, so it's one of the biggest anime companies out there with a lot of different productions going on. So they made this anime back in 2011 under the direction of Tosturo Araki. And this name I have never heard before. And as usual, Isaac, you know, I like to throw myself into rabbit holes. Did you, you know rabbit holes? I didn't yes. know that. And I am not rabbit. Um, I'm sorry. I had to. I just bought a Switch. So now I'm thinking Nintendo Finally. and Rabbit. Yes, Isaac is is giving me the – he's right now parading in, in Sweden because I got a Switch. And he was finally able to destroy me in Smash. It's uh, it was a, it was an experience to remember. I did not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, now it's uh, the next project is having uh, acquired Fire Emblem Three Houses. And based on your track record, Isaac, it took you at least almost what two and a half years to get me to buy the Switch. So it's probably going to be yeah. another three before I buy Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> now you have the console and a. Uh, and a game is cheaper than a console. That is true. But, may, but maybe I'll do it just to see how you react. Just to see you boil over, Isaac. Maybe I go mad once. No? Too much? Should I hold that? We all know that you can't. Uh, that you will, uh, will buy it one day. Very possibly. So, talking about the director of Guilty Ground, Tetsuro Araki. Have you heard of before I say I talk about his rap sheet, right? His his bibliography, his his resume. Have you ever heard that name before, Isaac? No. So here's the funny thing. This guy, this guy, he is he was the director of, I don't know, this little show called Death Note. And this little show called High School of the Dead. And he directed seasons, I don't know, one, two, and three of Attack on Titan. This dude. Which, this dude. <laughs> which makes it even funnier considering the composer for uh, the show is uh, the same for as Attack on Titan. Wait, Link to Horizon did the music for this? Yeah, last time I checked, yeah. I missed that. It actually makes perfect sense. So it's not a glitch in the matrix. It was, it's, it's crazy. Why is it that this guy, he's so attracted to apocalyptic stories? You know what I mean? Like dystopian, yeah. like world ending stories. Death Note is a quote unquote apocalypse story in a very small yep. scenario, right? Hiro, uh, Hiroyuki Savano is uh, the, the composer for Guilty Crown. Hiroyuki Savano, which is part of Link Horizon, which does which which did which did at least all the music for the first three seasons of Attack on Titan, at least the like the the one that everybody knows, Gure no Yama and Sasageo, all that's Link Horizon. Sasageo, Sasageo. Copyright YouTube, don't take us down. <laughs> um, What's up, yeah. Gabriel? Hey, what's up, my brother? How's it going, guys? So, why, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'll be here all for the next hour. Um, maybe you'll laugh again or just stop listening because I'm boring. <laughs> thank you, Gabriel. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so he worked on all these little shows, but also he worked on this show and movie. And I know we talked about it once that we might want to cover it in the show. Do you remember this movie that came out that I think it's on Netflix called Cabinary of the Iron Fortress? Say that name again. Cabinary of the Iron Fortress, which is like this kind of like samurai and they're like zombies that are like blow up or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. He did that too. Like this guy has been linked to like really big projects, which is pretty crazy that I've never even heard of him before. And and, and I'm and I'm kind of glad that it took Guilty Crown to, to to make me aware of his existence. So that's another name that I'm gonna like flag that I gotta keep an eye on because it's pretty pretty awesome because he's worked with really great projects. Even though I'm kind of mixed on this one in particular, he's worked on a lot of great stuff and. While we were talking off the air um, about this, did you know that the writers for this show, they worked on Code Geass? Not so surprised. And it's funny because I was telling you how this show has a lot of like Code Geass vibes. Which is another yeah. show to cover. Um, but it has a lot of Code Geass vibes where you have this student in an organization that's like clandestine and they're trying to overthrow government in a way it's like it has, it has a lot of vibes there but i feel which is one of the things that i'm going to talk when i talk about my the things that i didn't like about the show or things that troubled me um in terms of their execution uh, which i kind of was reading some of the forums that that's what a lot of what a lot of, what a lot of people go through um have to do with the execution of a lot of the ideas but the concept of the show is pretty good. Um, but yeah, Production IG, great company. The animation is fantastic. Um, it is a show from 2011. So you do see a lot of like the like pretty well-refined digital imagery, um, the use of digital enhancements on animated drawings. It's not as advanced as what you've seen now, but it looks very good, very nice, very clean, very polished. Um, it's So let's talk about the show itself it has very catchy tunes of course we have a quote-unquote pop icon in the middle of it at least from at the beginning of the show right um yeah. well, let's talk about the show so you have the main character Shu, which is this kid that's lonely that kind of doesn't know who he is and, and what is and what his purpose in life is you know like to a degree typical Typical anime protagonist in like a slice of life or or epic story setting. You always have a guy. You either have a guy that's like super ready to kick ass. You know what I mean? Or you have a guy that feels like he's the bottom of the barrel. You know what I mean? You always have those two extremes as a protagonist. So we got the other side of the protagonist. Um, but there's something about the presentation of him. And, and, and the way his story kind of develops and the way that he makes decisions. I don't know, man. I, I couldn't connect with him. I felt like like a lot of the like a lot of the reasons why like we never really get a reason of why he says no, of why he's scared. Like yeah, he's he's kind of nervous with around people, but you never really find out why. You know what I mean? Like, you never find out if he had a trauma that marked his social interactions with people. Uh, I mean, you, you get the knowledge that he has. No, no. He does have, he does forget the things that happened. But they don't, but they don't link that to his, to the way he carries himself to a degree. Like they don't link that. Like, like yes, they say that that because of what happened, he kind of forget that he was this great kid with the whole guy thing. But but you really don't. What I was trying to say is the reasons of why he's the way he is are not something that they take the time to clearly explain and link. They make it as an when they come to an explanation, it's like a moment of his life story. But they don't link it directly to the trauma that's driving him to make these decisions. And and it's funny because 
I'm, I have to bring up one of your favorite choices, which which is something that Neon Genesis Evangelion does very well. Like funny because because uh, I think he uh, because I think uh, Shu is uh, is uh, a much better character than what uh, Shinji is. Well, but here's the thing, though. To me, I like Shinji better. Not because keep in mind he barely throws throughout the whole show, and I get it. But Shinji from episode one and two. You already know why he's so messed up. Like you know the emotional turmoil and 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 brokenness that he has because of his broken relationship with his father, and all you see is his father continue to stomp down on who he is throughout the show, which makes his situation worse. You know, not that it's a nice story, but but at least the character. If the reason he's doing this, a lot of people say that he's a bitch, but he's not. <laughs> the reason why people hate him and the reason he doesn't get on the robot <laughs> are reasons that you clearly know, whether you agree with them or not. You know what I mean? Like, there's a more of a clear yeah. definition of his trauma and why he is this scared little kid that can't think for himself. You know what I mean? It's very clear. Check the shaft, by the way. With with Chu, with Chu, it's it's a little harder. It's a little harder to, to check chat. With Chu, it's a little harder to determine that. You know what I mean? It's a little harder to determine that whenever whenever you are with Chu in comparison to when you look at Chingy. You know what I mean? So I, I I kind of don't like you. Like I like you more towards the end of the show. Um, even though the ending kind of like not ruined true, but ruined the show for me. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I, yeah, the ending was kind of like we'll talk about it in a minute. I don't want to rush these things. But yeah, but Shu was one of those characters that I kind of felt like I couldn't really connect with him as much as I wanted to, maybe. Um, and the funny thing is that this is a show that, strangely enough, as strangely enough, it's it's carried by its supporting characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I think, and I think that's kind of a weakness. Because in a show of this nature, especially when you have this superpowered, you know what I mean, um, protagonist, because of his power to extract these voids that are these weapons, like he can go into a per anyone's heart and extract the essence of their heart and make it and make it into material object. Whether and they, it's either a sword or a bow or a gun that cancels gravity or a gun that opens doors like it's really weird really complex um i couldn't really connect with him I, I didn't necessarily say i connected with him i connected more with the supporting characters i corrected more with ayase i connected more with guy and i didn't even like that much inori either which inori is the pop singer and second protagonist which is the person that <clears throat> it's the person that Chu has to insert his hand in to be able to extract his main weapon. <laughs> and I never believed, I never thought I would ever say that in a podcast, but uh, welcome to the Amateur Otaku, where we, speak <laughs> all, where we speak all truths in anime, even the sticking of hands. But yes, the way, okay, I'm not trying to be dirty, even though it sounds very dirty. But the way the power works is that he has a mark on his right hand, and whenever he looks at a person in the eyes, that person goes into a that person's chest lights up, and he's able to insert his hand in the middle of the bosom. I mean, in the person's chest. Oh and my able, god! And, and it's, I know. I'm sorry. It's just right there, and he's able to extract the sword or the power or the void or whatever that is. 
Now, the character of Inori, yes, I get it. And it's funny because you know how I said that Chu kind of reminds me to a degree to Shinji, at least in the beginning. Because it's funny. Because because Chu starts like Shinji, but by the end of the show, he's more like Lelouch. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he's like a weird hybrid, which is probably why, because I only like Shinji because he's really broken, like irreparably broken to a degree, and I'm okay with that. But him... It's like I I, I want to know why I want to know I wanted to know more of why he was broken, to kind of like get behind him and see him and root for him, you know. And I never really got that, um, but I like like I like his redemption arc or whatever. But yeah, not going too far. But Inori, which is the girl, the pop singer that he's like obsessed with and then falls in love with and whatever, and becomes like his <clears throat> tool in battle, and. I, I I can't help like another thing. Like she doesn't she remind you of Ray? Like this, like she's this blank figure. You know what I mean? And of course, you later find out that she's not technically human, and that you know, all these things of emotions and stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, yes, you want to justify that this character to a degree didn't have a significant growth because she wasn't human and didn't have emotions. But then all you see her is doing the same thing all the time as opposed to see a progression to her. You know what I mean? Like if she's supposed to be this person that acquires emotions throughout the show, shouldn't you see that shift as well? You know what I mean? Like like yeah. her her development was like, See, Shu had extreme development, like over the top, which works, but over the top growth and, 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 and trajectory. And Nori technically didn't have any, um, apart from those weird moments in the middle where she was kind of like ditching Chu or whatever. But then all the other characters or all the supporting roles, like Guy had a fantastic story. Um, Ayase had a fantastic story. Um, Jahiro had a fantastic story. Like most Arisa had a fantastic story. Like there's a lot of these supporting characters that had great stories and great development. Even some that turn evil and you never expected, expected that they would turn evil or whatever. Like this is a show that's carried by supporting characters. And, and I don't know how I feel about that because... Correct me if I'm wrong, Isaac. What makes it kind of hard is that you can kind of tell that even though this show is carried by the supporting characters, it wasn't meant, to, it wasn't designed that way because everything revolves around Shu. You know what I mean? Like the show yeah. wants you to get behind him. And I had trouble doing it. Now, that being said, the story is interesting. Because um, going back to the rating that you gave it, Isaac, you gave it a B rating. The show is yeah. interesting. The show is interesting. The concepts that it plays with, the idea of voids, the void genome, the idea of the hearts, the apocalypse virus. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, what's your take? Well, what's your take on the characters? Do you do you have a take that's different than mine? What's your take? Do I think that uh, Shu is uh, the best written character of all time? No. But uh, but that uh, but I also think he is uh, he is without a doubt uh, Shinji's stereotype. That's that much is clear. I mean, oblivious, uh, oblivious, scared. Don't know what uh, what to do, all that jazz. But the reason I prefer him, yes, you go down deep within why he is the way it is. But it uh, for me it feels like he goes nowhere with their approach of Shinji. Here, they know what they want to do. 
they are rather simplistic with I mean they know that they want to be a uh, they want to, uh, they know that they want to be a uh, people against uh, tyranny uh, type stuff rebellion rebellion versus uh, tyranny and they focused they, they want to focus a bit on the ideolo- uh, ideological differences between the two uh, and have sort of like show uh, show as a reason why show works in my opinion is that the general thing about the about the story is the his uh, the world around it it's just the ideology the uh, clashes and he is uh, sort of caught in the uh, caught in the middle, sort of like what's this guy name in the princess name in uh, Princess Mononoke again? Um, Achitaka. Yeah, while he mm-hmm. Achitaka, while he takes more of a side here, he is uh, more meant to be uh, the person, also uh, the viewer's point of view instead. Because let's face it. All of us would be scared and unsure of what we would do in his situation and all that jazz. That's why they are, or they are taking sort of like with the Son Goku. Uh, everyone says that the side's character is better written than him. It's because Son Goku is supposed to be a sort of like a dare I say power fantasy of a, of some sort, and. Uh, I would argue that because what makes him work is sort of like you can understand why he's scared. You can understand why uh, you don't need uh, going into. They make it work within their focus of the story. And like you said, the side characters are much more interested, which makes which makes it, it all balanced about. But uh, for example, Tenshi Muyo, uh, example, that's another stuff. That uh, people argue that it's about uh, him uh, and his daily life. But what uh, what's the more uh, popular uh, thing that uh, makes people drawn to it? The side characters, and. Uh, in their interaction, Tenshimuya is sort of like the viewer's point of view, uh, viewer's point of view character instead, and he's written to be like that. And I would argue that Shu is the same, but with a bit more character tropes than just a, to fit uh, within the story, so to speak, and have. Uh, this is a story that I don't need to go into. It's a store that uh, that they decided to not go in superb deep, uh, a la super philosophical uh, and all that. Yes, that uh, ev- uh, end of Evangelion tried and uh, failed in my book, but that's another story. And no, oh, no, not, not, not only in your book, in every single book. That movie is the worst thing that ever happened. I was to talking humanity. about the fran- I was talking about the franchise in general, but like but uh, wow. that's up for argument. <laughs> but like I said, I don't have any well I think you have point at you and I think the quote unquote plot twist at the end works as an explain, explanation on why he acts like he is. Maybe it's because of uh, because of my uh, because, uh, because uh, personal experience? I don't know. But that's, uh, that's the reason why I feel that show works. I, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you where because based on what you're saying, which is true, um, he is, he's treated more 
to a degree as a blank slate where where he is the vessel for the viewer and he's the one that's taking everybody's ideologies and then we see him come up with his own. Yeah, which is why you would argue uh, you would argue that Yoni uh, and Hari, why you can question why they sort of, uh, well, you know, but uh, but uh, that is a what's it called nitpick in my book, considering uh, how it's not uh, too much front and center. How do you mean? You know exactly what I mean. No, 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 no. What about being front and center? I kind of. What nitpick do you mean? If I mention two two female characters and their connections, uh, their connection with the main character, and you can argue. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I mean, I think I think part of part of my struggle, maybe, is maybe. Because part of me didn't want to accept that he was, you know, that blank slate or he was supposed to be that blank slate. I kind of wanted to know more of his story before everything that happened. Like he kind of gives like most char- like most characters that we meet, right? Um, most characters in most anime, especially epics like this, you always at some point you get a glimpse of who they were. And yes, you kind of get a glimpse of who he was and who he forgot he was but not really of who he was prior to the moment that everything happened with Inori. But yeah, that, that I, I can see what you're saying. And yes, I mean, the show, you can you can argue, you cannot deny that the show does a very good job in developing him. And I think, well, while you were talking, this came to my mind, especially when with the development of Shu, is that Inori says something that I think it's one of the best lines of the show. And he talks about how she learned to be human by watching Shu make mistakes and and learn and suffering and and all those things. And it's a beautiful line. And it is true. You know? Um but at the same time, it kind of makes me think maybe I needed the show to be a little longer because I needed to see more of those moments. I mean, you kind of saw some of those moments, especially in the quote-unquote tyrant arc, <laughs> yeah. if, we're, if we're to call it that. Um, because Chu's character goes through... You, you could say that his personality changes rival Kaneki's. <laughs> Um, I know, but but yeah, I mean, the show's interesting. Lisa has fantastic supporting characters. I do like where I do like where the character ends up at. Um, the mythology of the show, I found it pretty interesting, but at the same time, that's the other thing. To me, it's underdeveloped. Like a lot of the things of why the why those things exist, where they come from, feel like we never really dive into them. Like they're just MacGuffins. Like the whole thing with the voids, the whole thing with that rock, the whole thing with the virus, all those things are severely glossed over and they're all MacGuffins for the story to move along. And yes, I'm aware that the main thing of the show is not the virus, is not the voids. It's it's this survival arc. You know what I mean? Like Japan surviving, other people governing them, and then this weird organization, Darth, which I have no idea where they come from. And what a horrible way of trying to mask that their name is Death. <laughs> They're just Darth. They're not Death. They're Darth. Um, but yeah, am I the only one here that feels that way? Like a lot of the mythology that they use to run the show is kind of like, 
it feels like underdeveloped and it feels, I don't know, like it was a great idea on paper and they make it work for what they did in the show. But like, and yes, not every show is going to go in detail. You know what I mean? But, but for example, if it had, I wondered if they had more episodes to do because this show was not based on a manga. I think the manga for the show came after the show. I it think. Did. It, what was that? It did. So, so it makes me think that maybe because of that, it was either kind of rushed or, or they just didn't know how long they were going to go for. But it's like after watching shows like My Hero, which I'm not expecting this to be my hero, but watching shows like Attack on Titan or watching shows like even Code Geass, which has the same group working on the show. Those are shows that introduce a fantastical element to it, but they take the time to develop it enough for you to be satisfied whether they keep doing the show or not. And I know that Code Geass has had sequels and movies and stuff like that after the end of the show, which is like, I think it's 50 or 52 episodes. Um, but you feel satisfied at the ending of the series because you know enough of the mythology to understand why the decisions that were made were made, yada, yada. Here, which leads to the ending of the show, because a lot of the things of the mythology were underdeveloped, the way the show ends, you're like, okay, everybody's happy, but what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like, were you satisfied with the ending? Or did you feel like, okay, that's over? Sort of like, uh, sort of. Uh, I can see what you mean with the rushed and all that, but considering uh, what, like I said, it was the idea, um, ideology between the two sides, and like you also said, survivor part. I wasn't that bothered with it, even though it could, would be nice to would have been nice to uh, seen some more of the world and all i will admit the, uh, this is one of the reasons why i am only giving it a b for example yeah so yeah it it does a lot of it does like it does the things that it's supposed to do good like this good supporting roles interesting concept um good animation but certain things that could have made it fantastic, it fails. Is it fair to say that? Like, like this is one of those shows that had extreme potential to be better, at least for me. And I'm not a creator. I mean, I'm not a writer. I'm not pretending that I think that I know more. But, but I've seen enough fantastic anime to know that a lot of things I would have liked more. I think more of my, because you know me, I don't hate anything. You know me, <laughs> I don't hate anything. Oh, so, and I, so, uh, so you admit that you love uh, End of Evangelion then? No, I hate that from the depths of my soul. Um, you said that you don't hate anything. Don't judge me, Isaac. I can burn my tongue and drink my tea. I don't know what that means, but that's, I said something, but <laughs> that but, was the most illogical uh, the thing you've said in a while, and you uh, talk a lot, just like I never ever get in. So <laughs> it's the most illogical thing that kind of has ever done, which is why they're making four new movies. Um, okay, so uh, hell, they are not, yeah, uh, carry on. Um, but <laughs> but yes, um. I think the way I feel about Guilty Crown is not that it's bad. It's enjoyable. The action's pretty solid. I did connect with some of the characters. I, I wish I could have connected with Shu more. Um, but I feel that this show, maybe it's not that I hated it, because I didn't. I liked it, but I didn't love it. I felt that it could have been better um, if 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 we had maybe more time with the story, more time with the mythos, and more time with the main character, 
Maybe this could have been an epic show. Instead, we just got a good show, which is something that you should still check out. Um, I mean, favorite character, I mean, Guy was fantastic. Ayase was fantastic. I mean, a lot of supporting characters were fantastic. Um, can I say that we really don't have a villain in this show, which is the other thing? Like, you really don't have a villain. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you have, like, an evil force. And I think that goes with the whole mythology. I thing. mean, you have a villain, but not the villain you expect. Well, yeah, but 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 you understand, like, but you don't have, it's like, you don't have a, you don't have, like, the father of Lelouch. You know what I mean? You don't have, like, a, like, a, you don't have a Reiner to, to, to Eren. You know what I mean? You don't have a full metal against freaking, you don't have a greed against Scar. You know what I mean? Not greed. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's not greed. He's wrath. You don't have wrath against Scar. You don't have, you don't have a rival. And, and yes, you do have the whole rivalry towards the end between Guy and Shu, but you also really don't because they make up real quick. You know what I mean? Like towards the end. You know what I mean? So you really don't have a villain per se, which which is maybe the argument is that it's not about having a villain in a war. It's all about his growth and the war within. And I mean, you can go in, in that tangent and maybe you have a point there, but that's the other thing. It doesn't have, a, there's not a driving force of evil that we feared throughout the movie. Everything was always left in the shadows. Even that weird kid that disappears and reappears, he just ends up disappearing and we don't see him again. Like, we don't actually kick his ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Which, again, goes to the mythology thing. But, but yeah, this show, I think, was good. I don't have any more else to say about it. It was a good, entertaining show. Um, good, time, good way to spend my time. But it wasn't fantastic. It wasn't great. Um... Anything if, else you were just add? curious? Just curious. If you were to uh, let's say that uh, production IGN said, "Hey, we oh, want boy. to quote unquote fill the blanks within this uh, mythology, and uh, you can uh, we can make a spin-off show. We can make a uh, movie that connect the dots. You know." Sort of like how Kingsglaive uh, fills in a bit on uh, the for Final Fantasy fifteen. Uh, how would you approach it then? <sighs> Since you feel, or would you just give it more episodes, so to speak? I mean, I I maybe would have done maybe more episodes, but I would I would probably make I would probably spend more time. With Shu before he meets Anori. Like maybe, maybe showing him, maybe show Shu. Like we I know we see Shu like in the top of a building watching a video of her. But we don't we kind of don't get a glimpse of the fact that he literally lives alone. That he barely has friends. Like we kind of get glimpses of that, but not like in detail. Like he doesn't spend time, like his mom is there only once a week. And like he can get into how he's lonely and how he kind of hides himself in the internet, in his videos, in that thing, get a bit more sense of this is a kid that not only lives alone, but also self-isolates, which is what makes the idea that he now is in the forefront of everything that's happening in the world, even more drastic of an impact for him because... Because he, he because he's been digging because he knows that he wants to be better for a while, which I know that's also like kind of what you see in the beginning that he wants to be better that he wants to be better, and then but then you have this the whole thing where he's giving a chance to be better but he he just chooses not to because he thinks it's easier to not do it, which I understand that but maybe that maybe do that in the beginning like maybe make the first episode of 
his day alone and like end the episode when he meets Inori as opposed to rush the entrance of everything. You know what I mean? Like instead of making it because yeah. you really don't have enough time with him to then get behind him when he does that. All you see is a scared kid, which we've seen scared kids before. But especially with the very emotional arc that he had throughout the show, I would have liked something more for me to connect with him. That's that's all. A little bit more in the yeah. beginning, a little bit more in the beginning, and maybe a little bit a little bit more of where Inori comes from, and a little bit more of him understanding where Inori comes from and how that solidifies their bond. Because that's the other thing. Like there's supposed to be this love relationship even beyond this other character that whatever happens to her you know what i mean like this is why and this is going to sound very stupid and i know you're not like the craziest about this show but i'm just doing it to make a point this is why i love the zero two and hero relationship in darling and the franks because because the show makes it a point to show you who these characters are apart, what brings them together, and then what makes them and their relationship deepen. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, I and would argue that uh, that relationship is rather toxic, but that's besides well, no, well, that's not true, though. That's not true, though. It kind of seems that way in the beginning because Zero is in this power trip. But once she discovers that Hero was his darling, or her, was her darling, she changes completely and treats him with love and respect. And they do grow into a couple that love each other, like for real. In the beginning, it's toxic and horrible, yes, because she is used to using people. So Stockholm Syndrome. In the beginning. Not, no, not Stockholm Syndrome, no. Because remember, in the beginning... But, uh, what... Let's continue with... Uh, <laughs> but yes, I, I would have liked a more... Perf a more... I would have liked to connect more with him individually, more with Inori individually, and then see more of their relationship and how it comes together. Because you really don't have... Like, by the end, you're supposed to be like, yes, they're together, or they're not, or whatever. And, and, I, and I wasn't that way. Because they didn't give me the little nuggets that I needed throughout to get them together. You know what I mean? That's all. Yeah. You know? Favorite like, for example, character. in the show, oh. guy, guy, 100%. Guy, hands oh. down. It's, I'm between, it's either guy or Ayase. Hands down. I never expected. Uh, uh, I never expected the second part. Who Ayase? Yeah. Why? I don't know why. She's fantastic. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. Maybe yeah. it's just uh, honestly for me. It's. I actually pretty much like them all. To some uh, equally, I had a. Sure, I can really admit that I had a soft spot for horror to some degree, and mm -hmm. I did because, well, I know people. I know people like that. Maybe that's why. But uh, yeah, in terms of uh, how in written how they were written, I definitely argue that Guy is the best one of them. Yeah, and, and not only that, Guy is pretty. Um... Even though he's kind of like the straight man, you know what I mean? Like he's like he's like the guy's guy and like like he's the leader. I like how the show see the show took the time to show his frailties and to show how we and show him in weakness and stuff like that. Just like Shu did, you know. Um, but for him, it, I don't know, it felt more organic for him. And he's just fucking cool. Oop, excuse me. He was just cool. Guy was just a cool character. And Ayase, um, it's even though it's kind of she is kind of like a stereotype character, she is a charming character too. So she was one of my favorites. 
um, especially in her in her lowest moments, which are perfectly believable. Um, I like how the void is supposed to represent who you are inside. You know what I mean? And literally, yeah. she never stopped being a knight, a warrior, because even though she has her disability, her void literally allowed her to run just like her spirit is free, you know, which is kind of poetic, which is kind yeah. of awesome. So, but yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you, Isaac. It's a B. It's a good, enjoyable show. But I think my thing is that I wanted to like it more. I just did it. I think that's the best way I can wrap this up. What do you think? Yeah, do you, I do can you, see your point. Do you feel the same way? Do you think you liked it just right, or you feel that you wanted to like it a little more? I feel, uh, considering the circumstances, I think uh, I feel like feel like I like it more than you because I yeah. went into a different approach. But I can see uh, your and see why you feel the way you like. Is yeah. that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So I think I think that does it for this episode of the Amateur Talk Podcast. Um, we talked Guilty Crown. Um, it's a show that you should check out. It's, it's a fun show. If you're looking for something good and easy to watch, it's only 22 episodes. The, like I said, the mythology and the lore is fascinating. The action is very good. And you have great supporting characters. Um, I did like, we did like the character, how it grows towards the end. Um, the ending is, eh. but a lot of animes end like, eh. but it's a good ride. So go check it out. Um, Guilty I Crown. That, I wouldn't say that the ending is horrible though. Well, I didn't say horrible. I said, eh. you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, what was, the, what was what's an anime with a horrible ending? Oh, End of Evangelion. It's not like that. <laughs> it's 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 an okay ending, but you so, you, so you say you're not against the End of Evangelion after all. Oh no, I hate it with all my soul. And yeah, that uh, that movie is the official ending. You know that, right? I I have imaginary puppies, and my imaginary puppies bark furiously every time I say End of Evangelion. <laughs> okay, that was weird. But no, you can't that tell me that. Really, you cannot tell me that that's the official ending when they're making four movies to rewrite it. Okay, Isaac. That and that was the creator. I've said. Carry on. So, <laughs> maddening, Isaac. Maddening. Um, but yes, um, go watch Guilty Crown. It's something you should check out. Um, you you know our thoughts. Go watch it and give us your thoughts. Maybe we're all wrong. We definitely want to hear what you think about this show um, and, and recommend to us what you want us to watch next. Um, we know there's a lot of anime out there. There's a lot of anime that we want to cover on the show, but we really want to go off your recommendations. Recommend us any shows, any animes that you would like us to cover. If you would like us to talk about a particular show, send us a comment on the description on the YouTube channel, on Facebook, on Twitter, or send us send us a direct message at Amateur Otaku Pod, as you can see on the screen, or you can give send us an email at AmateurOtakuRTF at gmail.com. Send us an email with your questions and your request, and we'll watch the show and cover it for you um, and tell us our thoughts on that show. Isaac, anything else before we go? No. Okay, guys. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy your holidays. And we will see you next Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with our coverage of the latest two episodes of Attack on Titan, the final season. Have it awesome, guys. Peace. Peace. Peace.